In a world where it seems like there's so much going wrong, I want you to see the people who are spending their lives doing and seeing the good. Welcome to the Doing Good Podcast, where we discuss the stories of people who are changing the world in their own way. I'm your host, Carmen Herbert. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Doing Good. And I'm so excited to welcome today my guest, Rachel Green Tucker. Rachel is from Farmington, New Mexico, and went to school in Northern Arizona University in Flagstaff, where she received a BA in Spanish. It's where she met her husband, Justin. They moved to Lawrence, Texas for graduate school and now live in Southern California. Rachel is a mama to four kids, two dogs, and 15 chickens. She recently sent off her first missionary, oh, all the feels, and is navigating all those tough feelings of, and wonderful feelings of being a missionary mom. Rachel taught early morning seminary for five years and maintains it's the very best calling in the church. She loves words, loves to write, and has created and published a study guide called True Identity, Understanding Your Divine Destiny, which takes a deep dive into our divine identities, gifts, and potential. She writes a daily devotional on her Instagram account, which is seeking diligently at seeking underscore diligently and loves finding gospel lessons in everyday life. Rachel has spoken at many youth and relief society conferences and was a speaker last year at the salt conference in Salt Lake city. Awesome. She loves funny people, spontaneous travel, being outside and rainstorms. And you can purchase that incredible study guide true identity, understanding your divine destiny on her website, which is seekingdiligently.com, right? .com.org. Okay, perfect. .com. Rachel, I am so excited you came to join us today. Thank you for being on Doing Good. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I can't wait to talk about everything that you are doing. So I would love to hear about growing up in New Mexico. I've been there several times, but the few times I've been there, it seems like it's just a really vast, empty desert. <laughs> Not a ton to do, but tell me, do you do you still have fond memories from New Mexico? Do you love New Mexico, New Mexican food? Love New Mexican food. It's different than Mexican food. Some people don't know this. It's really different. Is and it? How is it different? Lots of green chili. I don't oh, know. I don't know. It's fantastic. So, yeah. yes, lovely food. I'm actually from up in the Four Corners area, the northwest corner of New Mexico, right on the Colorado border. Awesome. Uh, so we had four seasons and snow in the winter and, you know, it was great. I love New Mexico. That is so great. Do you still have family there? I, I do. My, a lot of extended family and my parents are currently serving as the Albuquerque Temple president and matron. So they've actually moved to Albuquerque, which is about three hours southeast of my hometown. Wow. But they head back every now and then and they'll go home at the end of their tenure. So, Oh, that is so sweet. What Have they enjoyed that really special calling so far? Yeah, I think so. I think they've really enjoyed it. They've been out about a year, so... And was that the closest temple to you growing up? That actually wasn't a temple growing up. It was dedicated shortly after we got married. So we were like eight hours from every temple. We were eight hours from Denver. We were eight hours from Mesa. We were eight hours from Salt Lake. So it was actually really cool growing up because all of our temple trips were to a different temple. Wow. Um, yeah. Nine hours to Las Vegas. So we would just... I, as a youth, I hit all these different temples because we kind of lived in the middle of nowhere. So, and would you like make a whole weekend out of a temple mm -hmm. trip? Mm -hmm. Most of the time, our youth leaders would have family somewhere and we'd stay 
with people and go to the temple and do a bunch of baptisms and drive home. I think that's so amazing because here, you know, in Utah, as we were driving home from from Cedar City last weekend, my husband's like, let's just count all the temples from here (laughs) to Lehigh. And even like, you know, Draper is just right around the point of the mountains, South Jordan. Like we can see four temples just from point of the, I mean, you can see Temp and Jordan River and Draper and Ochre and yeah. And, and yeah, Temp, Draper, Ochre and Jordan River, right. I mean, just from one spot. And so my boys, I'm like, there's no excuse not to go (laughs) at least once a month because it's, you have every opportunity and every chance you can, except when obviously making appointments is actually really hard for our youth. Like getting in to do baptisms is super tricky. Like it's packed like months out in advance, which is awesome, but you have to make it a goal and a priority. Yeah. So that is super interesting. So what was, what was one of your favorite, do you have a favorite temple or a temple that means something special to you? Where were you and your husband married? So that's a funny question because he's from Columbus, Ohio. And at that time oh. there wasn't, I don't know if the Ohio temple had been dedicated at that time, but it, he didn't grow up with a temple there. So yeah. neither of us really had like our temple. Oh, okay. And when we were deciding on where to get married, he had a grandmother who was like 90 or 91. And she lived in Las Vegas at the time. And I said, I, I'm, I don't want to get married in Vegas. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I got married in Vegas. I don't know. So yeah. Married in St. George, and neither of us had ever even been to that temple. We, it was like, so that's our temple. I love <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. So we got married in St. George, but it, it was really because it was close enough for his grandmother to drive. And, yeah. and we, we eloped. No. <laughs> we did. We were engaged for three weeks and we had dated for a long time. And I called my parents. We got married over Labor Day weekend. So September 1st, 2000 is our anniversary. And I called my parents and I said, what are you doing for Labor Day weekend? And they said, oh, we're going to go up to the cabin, da, 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 da. Are you going to come home? And I said, no, I'm going to get married. <laughs> and they're like, in what? You're going to get married in three weeks. So we had both sets of parents and three mutual friends and his sister. I'm the oldest. So none of my siblings had been through the temple yet. And then an aunt and an uncle. So we no didn't way. anybody, we sent out a true announcement afterwards and said, we got married and had a reception a while later. So I was going to say, did you do any kind of celebration afterwards, like with people? Yeah. And- yeah. About three weeks after we got married, we had a reception in my hometown. And then, so that was Labor Day-ish. That was September. And then at Christmas, we flew back to Ohio and just kind of had an open house. It was really low key. Oh my gosh. Fantastic. The only thing I did wrong is I should have called my parents and said, you give me $5,000 and I'll elope. And yeah. instead I said, I'm going to elope and I never asked for any money. <gasps> I'm just kidding. But you, was- should have, you should have been like, hey, instead of paying for this giant thing, just pay like half. And then you totally- we didn't. I borrowed a dress from a friend. I mean, like, I think we spent $400 on the little luncheon afterwards. And I really, honest to goodness, I think that was our biggest expense. <laughs> no. So what made you want it? Were you just like, I don't want to, were, were you in the midst of planning a wedding? Or were you just like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to plan a wedding. Let's just do it. Why? We're both really easy people. And we had dated for a long time. And when we got engaged, we were like, well, when do we do this? Thanksgiving or Christmas? Because yeah. it was early August. Yeah. 
And finally, and he had just left his apartment for one reason or another and moved kind of across town. And he's like, man, I wish we could just get married at Labor Day. And I said, okay, let's just do that. Oh my goodness. Let's do it. Why not? Yep. I love it so much. I think, so one of my good friends is Callie Reed and she's an, an incredible singer for Deseret Book. And we've done some stuff like Time Out for Girls and Women Together. Anyway, she she was divorced and then her husband, her her husband that she's married to now, his his wife tragically passed away. And so she met him and they started dating and he had these four little beautiful children and they were dating and and fell in love. And she's like, man, she was, she's like, well, let me, uh, don't put your kids in daycare. Like th- th- once they got engaged, she's like, let me take care of your babies. And so she's like, I'll move into your house and he, you can stay in my apartment so I can be their mom. And then she's like, after like a week of that, they're like, what are we doing? What are we doing? Like, why are we doing this? Like we should just, so she like posted on Instagram. She's like, should I just elope? And everyone was like, yes, you should. And, and miraculously her temple, it, it kind of a tragic, but, but also beautiful story. Her temple divorce ended up coming. They were, it was approved like the day before. And they're like, we can go to the temple now and, and get sealed. So they were able to go to the temple and she got a wedding dress like two days before. And they like rushed to alter it. Like, and she's like, it was, and they just, same thing. They like had like a little lunch or dinner after and just got married. And she's like, why are we making this harder on ourselves? Like, I would rather just be married to you than plan this big thing. Like, let's just be together. So I always yeah. thought, oh, that's so romantic to go away and elope <laughs> to the temple. <laughs> lazy. I don't know. Romantic, lazy. Oh, <laughs> it's for sure romantic. So tell me about... You talked a little bit about, you had a post on Instagram a while ago about kind of God's will versus your will. And you said one thing that you told your husband, like, I can go anywhere in the country except Kansas. World. Where I would go oh, in the world. I'll go down with huge. <laughs> and so what was it about Kansas that you're like, I, I can't, I can't ever live there? It, w- it actually was nothing against Kansas. To me, Kansas was just like the epitome of... I don't know. I love mountains and yes. it's just, it's flat and it's, you know, it's not super green in a lot yeah. of places. I, it was just, there's nothing against Kansas. And actually now I love Kansas so much because yes. to Kansas. So yeah, I've thought a lot about the fact that we make these big plans for our lives and do any of them actually happen? <laughs> I know. I know. A few of them actually come to pass and actually that's where my my account and my little business seeking diligently came about. I actually had mission papers in while my husband and I were dating. I submitted them while I was dating him. My mom served a mission in Chile when she was young. And like I just come from a line of really strong and independent women. And I was gonna serve a mission. Like full stop. I got yeah. a degree in Spanish because I don't know. I thought it might help me like serve a Spanish speaking. Yes. Right. I mean, I had plans, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and when I got my mission paper submitted, my world kind of started falling apart. And I was like, what is happening here? And I went in to talk to my bishop and I said, Bishop, like everything's falling apart. My life is yeah. just sort of falling apart. And he said, yeah. he looked at me. And the first thing he said is, Rachel, did you pray about whether or not to go on a mission? And I kid you not, I was like, what? No. Yeah. Why would I pray about that? 
<laughs> no way. You hadn't. No, of course. Like I, that had been my plan my whole life. Like I just, and I wanted it so badly. Yeah. And he kind of chuckled and he said, okay. I mean, this is back in the day where like he had to call Salt Lake and put a stop on the papers, you know, nothing was online. And he said, I'm going to call Salt Lake and we're just going to push pause. And I need you to go home. And for like two weeks, I need you to pray and fast about whether or not you're supposed to serve this mission. And the answer was so clearly no. And I was so devastated. (laughs) That is heartbreaking. It was the hardest answer I've ever received in my life. And I just wanted it so bad. And I ended up getting married. And Justin's fantastic. Like, I wouldn't trade him for, I wouldn't even trade him for a mission. Just kidding. I wouldn't trade him for anything. But I, I wanted to serve a mission so bad. And actually, when that change in policy came out where sisters could serve at 19, like some people were like, oh, this is so great. I was like, I was fighting some bitter feelings. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like I could have done. I could have done that if I would have had that chance. Anyway, about a year and a half ago, I a number of things led up to this, but I woke up on a Sunday morning and I had this thought, I should write a study guide all about divine identity. I should write this study guide. And it literally came out of nowhere. And I started like formulating these ideas on what I wanted it to be like. And I wanted to include scriptures from the Book of Mormon, from the Bible, and from BYU speeches and from conference talks, you know, and all of these things have a really comprehensive guide. And then this name, Seeking Diligently, totally came out of the air. And SeekingDiligently.com was available for 97 cents on GoDaddy. (laughs) That's amazing. It all just came together. And I had the most distinct impression that for now, like this is my mission. I can share my testimony every single day. And I'm not kidding you. This was 2001. This was January of 2021, right? 21 years after, well, almost 22 years. After I had pulled my mission papers, I finally got this little, it wasn't little. It was like this huge prompting, like, this is your mission. You can do that. You can share your testimony every single day. And you're going to reach more people than you would have on a mission, you know? So I'm going to start a mission, get myself a name badge one day. But for now, I feel like this is my mission. That is so beautiful and, and, and such a testimony building experience for you, I'm sure. And just because we, I've, I heard the quote one time that always write your plans in pencil because only God writes in stone. And it's so true. Like you can never, and, and sometimes our will does align and, or, and we receive a prompting of this is what you should do. And it's great. And other times he kinds of let, he kind of lets us make decisions and then says, that was nice, but this is actually where I want you to go. Or sometimes the decision leads us to another one that we felt like, but I felt so strongly that this was the thing. It's like, but it was actually just to meet that person. And now this is the thing. And so sometimes like I should take that job. And it's like, but it wasn't about the job. It was about being there for someone that needed you. And then now you're going to go to this job. And it's, you just never know what, what, but the promptings are, are real. And, and I have a testimony that heavenly father does lead us in the direction we're supposed to be in if we're staying close to him. So I think that's such wise advice of your mission president to be like, did you, or for your stake president to say, did you pray? And you're just like, but it's a good desire and it's something I wanted. And why, why wouldn't it, why wouldn't that be something heavenly father wanted? But then you probably never would have met Justin and have been led to this. And I'm so glad that you talked about it taking a long time because there's so many times in my life where I'll feel incredibly strong about something 
to the point where I'm like, I know Heavenly Father wants me to do this. And it doesn't happen for a long time. And I'm like, why did you tell me this was where I was? I'm supposed to be. Nothing is working out. And you're like, here I am 20 years later, finally. (laughs) Oh, this was it. And sometimes it, why, why do you think it takes so, is it a test of our faith? Is it things have to fall into place in order for you to like the digital world had to be advanced enough for people to be able to download this and follow you. And I mean, why do you think sometimes things take so long? I don't know. I, I always think about the fact that God's time is not our time. And, you know, our little mortal minds get so frustrated over time. Like everything's about time, right? And I think that sometimes God must just sit up there and kind of chuckle at us. (laughs) If you only knew, like, just trust me, you know, for me, I... I always enjoyed like my English classes and I, I got a degree in Spanish. I loved, I, I studied a lot of Spanish literature. I love to read, but I never really tapped into my writing skills until like two years ago. And I oh, loved, wow. and I never really picked up on that spiritual gift. And I think sometimes those answers come long after we hope they will, or even just like reasons for things happening come really like a long time later. And I think yeah. it's because we have to develop. We have to grow into the person who, you know, is ready to receive those answers and who's ready to be put in those places where the Lord can use us. I think that's a great answer. And, and it is, it's true. We have to, we have to be prepared mentally and spiritually. And, and like you said, you had some talents that you needed to develop and grow in order to do this. So you touched on it a little bit, but I would love to talk about why you decided to start this. Was it, did you feel like the study guide, did you know what it was going to be out about from the beginning? Or were you like, maybe about scripture study or maybe just for women? Or how did you come up with the eternal identity, especially, and, and discovering who you are theme? The truth is, I kind of wrote it for myself. Oh, I really awesome. loved, I taught seminary for five years, and I had just, mm, had it been released? I was really close to being released at that time when all of this started. And I, I knew I was going to miss that scripture study. Yeah. And I love, I love writing things down. I love a pen and paper. You know, I love a tangible, something to hold and touch and flip pages. And me too. So I kind of just, started brainstorming about it for me. And then I have some friends and we'd had kind of a little Bible study, scripture study group going on for a while. And I said, hey, do you guys, what do you think about this? And they're like, a hundred percent, you should totally do that. That's so cool. But in terms of the topic, understanding our divine identity and works and destiny and potential and all of these things that I touch on in, in this study guide, it wasn't, it just wasn't me. It just came. It came from it just came from the Lord. He told me what to write and I wrote. So it's, it really, I can take no credit for that. Truly. That is the most, it's the most incredible experience when, when those moments happen, they, they've happened a few times for me in my life too, where I felt like I'm, I'm the vessel for this. And, <laughs> you know, and, and you're not trying to be like, Oh, I don't know. It, it it's hard telling that sometimes to people. It's like, oh, it wasn't me, but but truly, when when you are in a place where you can be receptive to the spirit in that way, 
And for me, it was song lyrics that have come before it. It's called I Am Divine. And it was about, for young women, it was the divine nature song about our eternal destiny. Same thing. And the words came to me and I was like, I would never have thought of that or rhymed it that way or done it that way. And it was a, such a sweet, incredible experience. And so I'm sure as you were just writing and your fingers were flying across the keyboard, and then you, was there ever a moment where you reread what you had written or since then have, re- have reread that and been like, that's amazing. Like that is incredible. And, and I don't know, was there ever a moment you're like, I can't believe that I was able to be the vessel for that type of inspiration. Yeah. Yeah, there were a few times when I thought that, or I'd find, I found a random Sherry Do talk and it was literally like a, I almost felt like I was doing microfiche or something. Like it wasn't even, it was so far in the back dark corners of the internet. <laughs> and and I, it just, I found it. And I'm not a super tech person, you know, things that I wrote, things that I was able to connect in my own brain it just simply was divine help, 100%. And actually, the second one that I'm working on right now and, and close to finishing up is all about becoming a woman of God. And I am not kidding you, at 4 o'clock on a Sunday afternoon, all of a sudden, it came to me and I had all six weeks of study, like the, the chapters or the ideas, the topics that I was going to focus on. I got online and I decided I only wanted to use talks from women for that study guide because it's all about becoming a woman of God. Yeah. And I found talks like in abundance. They just started coming. And I'm not kidding when I say I wrote the bones to this second study guide in like four hours on a Sunday. And my kids are like, you know, making cookies and the dogs barking and there's just chaos all around. And it just hit me. And I've never had that experience before. I, I'm that was new for me. And it's been kind of incredible. That is incredible. My friend calls those divine downloads where all of a sudden it's like, <laughs> and you yep. like, you better be ready. President mm-hmm. Nelson, his sweet wife has said that there were times when, when he would wake up in the middle of the night and even now that, that, and he'll start writing in a notebook and be like, okay, I'm getting something. And so even our prophet recognizes that when those come, you don't say, oh, that's nice. I'll, I'll do it in the morning or I'll write it later that you take advantage of when they're coming and that you write it down and that Heavenly Father could trust you to say, okay, I'm giving this to you. So you better take advantage of it and write it all down. So why, why do you think, Rachel, that women need to hear or know what they're divine identity is that's such a that's such a hot topic word right now identity what is your identity and what is your truth and who are you and you can you know the world's kind of like well you get to choose like whoever you want to be and whatever you want to be it doesn't matter like you pick why why is this topic so important for for everyone but especially for women to know what our identity is and who we are think I think the world loves to put people in boxes, right? You're like, you're in the pretty box or you're in the successful box or you're in the not quite made it box, (laughs) you know, or whatever those boxes are. Labels are everywhere. Yeah, labels are. Yeah, you can't get away from them. And I think it's such a problem because it doesn't allow us to grow and change and stretch and move. If you're stuck in this box with this label, And really, if we could understand that the only label we should have and 
own and really wear proudly is that of a child of God. Because then your potential is just limitless, right? And the whole idea of this earth life is to grow and change and stretch and make the mistake and course correct and, you know, seek personal revelation. It's all about change. It's all about becoming someone better. And you can't do that when you're stuck in a box with a specific label. And I think especially as women, I think it's hard. We compare a lot, right? Yeah. And we've got to stop comparing because we're all so different. And one of the things that I love is that we've each been given like numerous spiritual gifts. And a lot of times we'll look at someone, right, and say, oh, her voice is just incredible, right? I mean, you hear that, right? I'm sure you do. And yes, that's a gift. A hundred percent, that's a gift. But I've got a college roommate who is so funny. She's so funny. She's funny on a level that I've never, I've never met anybody as funny as her. And she's had such a hard life. And through all of these trials and challenges that she's gone through, she's just hilarious, like gut splitting, funny. And it's not contrived. Yeah. Just yeah. talent. Right? Yeah. 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 I was teaching a seminary lesson a few years ago and we were talking about spiritual gifts and I kind of named off some obvious ones like, like being musical or people who are right. really, really athletic. And it just came so easy to them. Yeah. And I asked the kids, like, give me something that's not an obvious one about you. I want to hear something that you have. And this kid, I never knew for the whole year. I didn't think he was listening to me. He never said a word. And he raised his hand and I'm like, yes, yes, tell me. Yeah. And he said, I have a really easy time forgiving people. And I was that like, is an incredible gift. That's one of the best gifts you could possibly have. And it's wow. silent, right? Like yes. people, he doesn't wear it on his sleeve. And right. I just said, I am so glad you know that about yourself because that's incredible. It is. It, Incredible. So we were each given all of these divine gifts and they come in all of these different ways. And some of them we're not going to discover until we're old. Some yeah. of them we discovered last year. Some of them we'll discover next year, you know, <clears throat> and it's just all this process of growing and becoming more like the Savior. Well, I think it's important that we differentiate, like you said, a, a label from an identity because they are different and our identity, you know, it it doesn't it it's who we are and it's our it it's it doesn't change it's it's who heavenly father sees us as and what our potential is and a label is something the world has created our identity is from heavenly father so how can people discover what their true identity and purpose is and how do they know what if they're like i don't know what my spiritual gifts are i don't know what how Heavenly Father sees me. And President Nelson gave an incredible talk to the youth, the young single adults, you know, and he talked about our three identities, like, you know, you're a child of God and a, and a child of the covenant. Ah, and I forgot the third one. But, you know, how do we, okay, but what does that mean? How do people, how can they discover what that is? I think the biggest key, and it might be the hardest key, is being quiet. I think it's, it's taking That's the time. We are so busy. And yes. our, our lives are so noisy and screens are everywhere. And none of these things are bad things. Soccer practice and dance and all the things, they're, they're not bad things. But when we don't carve out any time to be quiet, yeah, 
we can't, we, we're going to have a lot, a much harder time hearing those answers. You know what I mean? Yes. If we can sit with ourselves and only ourselves for a little time each day and truly meditate, just meditate on the things that we want, the things that we're worried about, ask questions, pray, we're, we're opening this door to personal revelation. But when, if we don't stop and if we're not ever quiet, it's much harder to hear. And, and it's true because everything is vying for our attention and time. And I find when, I'm, when I do have a down moment, I immediately pick up my phone. I'm like, okay, just mindless, like just show me something. Just let me just scroll for a minute or let me check my schedule for the millionth time because I'm afraid I'm going to forget something in the day or teacher's email or young women leaders email. Like, I feel like people are always buzz, 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 buzz. Like we need this. Don't forget this. Don't do this. Remember this at this time. And I'm like, okay. And my husband was commenting. And so are my kids. They're like, mom, you're on your phone a lot. And I'm like, I am, but I'm not just on my, I'm not on social media. Like I'm planning out all your schedules and all the days. And there's a counselor calling and, oh, my son forgot this at school. And so I'm like, I'm just managing six people's schedules and that requires a lot. And I don't find a lot of time in my day to be still and quiet without the distraction of something else. So where, where do you go or what time do you carve out to have that stillness? Nobody's going to like my answer. (laughs) (laughs) I want to know. I am a true morning person. Like I had in high school that if I stayed up past 11 o'clock at night, I didn't have to go to school the next day because that's how much I love going to bed early. Like I'm so old in my, in my heart, in my bones, I'm like 90 years old. I would go to bed at like nine o'clock every night if I could, because I wake up automatically around five, sometimes a little earlier. I've been up since four today, just thinking. And sometimes if it's really early, I'll just lay in my bed and think. Other times I will get up and actually sit somewhere so that I'm upright and, you know, a little more focused. Yeah. But I love the morning. I love the morning. It's quiet. It's peaceful. It's new. I don't have all the stuff from all the things that happened throughout the day messing with my head. It's fresh. It's like this blank canvas and nobody's up yet. And it's just... To me, there is nothing more peaceful than the early morning. I so. wish with all my heart. I, <laughs> I am, I am the polar opposite. Like I fall asleep around midnight or one. Oh, yeah. Thing, I'll be laying there like, and 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 it's actually been like I have, I have prayed like, please help me go to bed or like I my brain does not turn off. My body doesn't slow down until around midnight or later. And then consequently, I don't wake up until about 7.30 or 8. And my son goes to school at 7.30. So I'm usually calling from my bed. Goodbye. I love you. Like, and he'll give me a hug. And I, I know all of his life, he'll be like memories of his mom just like laying in bed. Like, and I have this goal and I'm going to get up early and I'm going to make him breakfast. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm not going to do that today, but inevitably that happens every single day. And I, and my pediatrician did make me feel better. My kid's pediatrician. He said, we all are born with internal clocks. Yeah. And it, and it's a real, it's actually like a, the biological time clock of waking up early. So I, 
would love to be a morning person. And I, I've tried, like I, I'm the type of person that when my alarm goes off, my son did mountain biking. He's done mountain biking for the past two years and he had to wake up at five to get to the trail on time. And so he'd have to be at the trail, you know, leaving by five 30 in the morning. So I would, my husband, and I would trade off getting up with him and getting his bike ready and everything. And I would, I'm not kidding. I would legitimately cry like on the morning <laughs> I would get up. I'm like, it, it's like so hard for me and I'm so grumpy. And, and I think I, I probably have trauma from like, I exclusively breastfed all my babies and they nursed for a really long time, like up to like 15, 16, 17 months. And so, and I was constantly pregnant or nursing for 10 years. So I had, I had 406 and then I nursed, you know, for another a year and a half. And then my last, this little guy that, that, that just called me on our phone in the middle of our podcast, he had like nightmares and night terrors for like two years. So I would sleep with him in his bed or he'd sleep with me. So I did not sleep for like a decade at all. And I think that trauma of like, I have to wake up. I have to wake up because they're crying. Finally, I'm like, I don't have to wake up anymore. Why would I? (laughs) Why I wake up early? But I, but I know that there, there is wisdom in those beautiful, peaceful early morning hours. And every time I do, I'm like, Oh, I want this so badly. I'm, it takes me about 30 to 40 minutes to like get my wits about me. And then I'm so glad that I'm up and I can watch the sunrise and it is peaceful and quiet. And I'm, I'm so much more accomplished, but, but for about that first 30 to 40 minutes, it is like very hard for me. And I'm really grumpy. And I, and I feel like I'm, I like trip over things. I'm like, you know, like so sleep drunk. So what, what advice? Like, because I know that the, and at the end of the day, I'm like, that's when I'll study my scriptures. And that's no, you're, I'm so exhausted. It's like mindless TV or spending time with my husband or yeah. just relaxing. I'm not like in a mood to like study and soak things in. I'm like decompress. Yeah. So how, how do you do that? Do you think, okay, just set a goal for a few minutes early or what would you say to people like me that are like born night owls, but who want to be morning birds? I actually think there can be some benefit to it. You said that you lay down and then it takes you half an hour or something to like calm yourself down enough to actually go to sleep. Yeah. That's a really meditative space too. You can go through your day and think about all of the things you're grateful for that happened. You can go through the day and think about the things you want to change. Like that. For me, I'm the opposite where I'm like struggling through a prayer, you know, at 930 at night because I'm like falling asleep all over the place. And then it's hard for me to look back on my day and think, you know what? I really shouldn't have done that. I really need to. You know what I mean? So even in terms of repentance, I think it's, it's actually a real gift to be able to lay in your bed at night and really reflect on your day. And it can be that can be a sacred space, too. Yeah, that's a good, that's, that's really sweet of you to say you're like, <laughs> with what we have, it's not, no, it's true. And, and, and a lot of times I just, I feel just so exhausted at the end of the day that I'm like, I don't want to think about anything, but it's funny that I have, I have enough mental capacity to scroll through social media and to, you know, decompress that way instead of maybe listening to a conference talk or my scriptures, you know, at night instead of, you know, throughout the day or in the morning or whatever. And there's no right time for everyone. And this will be different for everybody. But I do think it is important that you're intentional and carve out that quiet time. And 
and maybe that's in the temple too, you know, and, and I yeah. love going to the temple and sitting in the celestial room was my favorite part. There's no, there's no peace like that peace yeah. anywhere in the world and, and being quiet and still there. And I'm like, Oh, I wonder, I wonder how many people the temple workers have to like gently nudge awake. Like I, cause it's so quiet and peaceful. And I, and sometimes I'm like, I could just sleep here. Like the most peaceful heavenly sleep. Like I just want to sleep here. I'm like, I wonder if, you know, especially old people sometimes not off in those comfy couches and sleep. But, but I think it, it is such an important thing that you bring up is just stillness. Cause all oh, the world is frantic and loud. And that is not how heavenly father works. No, no. And I really think it's a challenge for our day. And I don't think it's going to change. I don't think it's going to get any better. You know, yeah. new things are going to happen and pop up and devices. And I don't even, maybe we're going to time travel. Like, I don't even know. Yeah, <laughs> I don't even yeah. know. It's so, it blows my mind. Technology blows my mind. And it's so funny for me to talk to my kids and say, well, when you were little, we didn't have FaceTime or whatever yeah. it is. And now I can seriously call my mom on my phone and see her face. Like, that's incredible, right? Yes. And so many good things about technology and it's not slowing down. But yep. the flip side of that is it's not going to get quieter either. It's true. And we have to be intentional about that. We have yep. to. And I think that the information that those, what did you call it? A divine download? Yeah. <laughs> I think those come so much easier. When it's just quiet. I do too. I do too. Because that's how the spirit speaks to us. We have to quiet our mind and our bodies and, and be receptive of that. And so the study guide that you have, which I, I love it, discovering you know your true identities. And you have another study guide coming out. Tell us what that's called again for women. It's Becoming a Woman of God. Becoming so, a Woman of God. And yeah. tell us a little bit about when we can expect that and what is the main purpose of that? But, and maybe you're like, I don't know what I ever the rest of my download then I get. I know what I, I'm not finished still downloading. No, <laughs> maybe if I say it on like on the air, it'll hold me to it. Um, you know, what's funny. I've had, our family has had a lot of upheaval in the last like nine months. Yes. Um, my husband was a professor for 20 years and had like a midlife career change. And that has come with just disruption, right? Yeah. And then getting my son graduated and out on a mission, there's just been like chaos in my life. And it has absolutely taken the backseat to the rest of what's going on. But I would love to have it out before Christmas. That would, would be amazing. Yeah. I would love to have it out before Christmas. So maybe if I tell you that, I'll have to hold myself to it. Yes, I know that it, you'll work on it a little bit more. Well, I... Mm -hmm. I can't wait for that. And I'm so excited to, to check out your, the, the study guide that you do have, the true identity, understanding your divine destiny. And I love following you on Instagram, which is seeking diligently. You're just mm -hmm. such a positive, bright voice. And it, I, I love everything that you share and the most beautiful quotes and the most beautiful pictures. You frequently share art from what, Hold on. What is the artist's name? This one. Who is this artist right here? Oh, I'd have to go back and look. I do. I I feel like oh, it's like... Hiram. Yes. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. He's new. He's kind of new to the 
the, I don't know, religious art scene, I think. Oh. And his stuff resonates with me so deeply. They're I love beautiful. the floor. And yeah. Caitlin Connolly, too. Mm -hmm. She has some incredible pictures and yeah. it, it's amazing. So anyway, you have just beautiful, uplifting, happy non-controversial just like things of god and and i we just need more of that and i know sometimes people are maybe if if there are listeners out there that are hesitant to share their testimony or share things that oh well people will think i'm being too religious or whatever no like we need more light and we need more goodness and yeah. so i'm just i'm so grateful that you took the time to come on my podcast today and thank you for all the good you are doing Oh, thank you for having me. This has been a joy, and I've thank been really enjoying it. So, thank you, Rachel. I am Carmen Herbert, and I'm so excited to tell you about an amazing app that my whole family loves. It's called Our Turtle House, and it's full of literally thousands of hours of full-length talks, just like the old talk on CDs or talk on tapes, from some of your favorite Latter-day Saint speakers like John By the Way, Mick Johnson, Hank Smith, me, and a ton more. Plus, there's podcasts, firesides, devotionals, come follow me resources, and entertaining content your whole family will enjoy, truly, all in one little app. And you can use promo code doing good, all one word, at checkout, and you get a full month free. So check it out and sign up at ourturtlehouse.com. See you soon.